the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Practical Living with Dale O'Shield, Senior Pastor of Church of the Redeemer in Maryland. We pray that through this message, you will learn how to apply God's Word and truth to your life. Stay with us as we discover God's truths that will transform us. We've been talking about the value of learning how to pray the Jesus way. How do we pray the right way? A lot of people wonder if their prayers are making any difference at all. They're wondering exactly how am I supposed to pray? What words am I supposed to use? What posture am I supposed to take? And so we're trying to get beyond a lot of the peripheral things related to prayer and get to the heart of the issue. Now, this idea, this concept, this question of how do I pray actually was, was actually presented by one of Jesus' disciples to Jesus himself. And let's uh, dive into today's message that I'm going to be talking about the Increase Us prayer, continuing with our theme from last weekend. But there was a disciple that came to Jesus one day and, and posed a question or actually made a request in Luke chapter 11, verse number one. Once Jesus was praying, notice Jesus was engaged in this process we're talking about prayer. Once Jesus was praying in a certain place, when he stopped praying, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. Now, this was a very important request. As you see in scripture, no one ever came to Jesus and said, Jesus, teach us to preach or even Jesus, teach us to witness. They came to Jesus in this situation, this disciple and said, teach us to pray. They realized the value of prayer and saw the fruitfulness of prayer in Jesus' life. Now, in response to this particular request made by this disciple, uh, there is a teaching that Jesus gave, and it's recorded in Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. And I'm sure that you perhaps know it and perhaps even know it well. Jesus' response, here we find it, verse 9, Matthew 6, this then is how you should pray. Let's stop for a moment. The disciple makes the request, teach us, Jesus, how to pray, and Jesus responds with these words, this then is how you should pray. So he's answering this question or fulfilling this request. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Some translations will add the final words for yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Now, there are a variety of things that are included in this particular model prayer that Jesus gave that we often refer to as the Lord's Prayer. A lot of things that are very specifically laid out and some things that are implied. I want to build on this implication that's found in the words in verse number 10, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That is, we're asking God to bring the resources, if you will, of heaven into our earth. And I want to talk to us about praying a specific kind of prayer centered around the whole idea of God's kingdom coming and his will being done in our lives. And that is the increase us prayer. In fact, why don't you say that phrase with me, the increase us prayer. 
Perhaps the best example, as we looked at last week, of an increase us prayer is found in First Chronicles chapter four, verses nine and ten, and it is a pra- it is prayed by a man named Jabez. Let me read you the prayer of Jabez and God's response to it. Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. His mother had named him Jabez, saying, I gave birth to him in pain. Jabez cried out to the God of Israel. This is prayer. Jabez is praying to God. Jabez cried out to the God of Israel, oh, that you would bless me and enlarge. Another word for increase, make bigger, enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. And then notice the response of God in the latter part of verse number 10. And God granted his request. Now, there are two verses in the entire Bible around this particular man. You'll not find reference to Jabez any other place that I'm aware of in Scripture, except right here in 1 Chronicles chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. We know very little about Jabez, but what we do know about Jabez is we know about his prayer. How would you like to be known for the prayers that you pray? Jabez is not known for anything else except the prayer that he prayed. There was something about Jabez's prayer that caused God to make sure that it was recorded in the Bible for us. There is no doubt that God wanted each one of us to learn something from the prayer of Jabez to affect the way that we pray in our lives. And what did Jabez pray? Jabez asked God to increase him. I'm asking God that you would bless me and increase or enlarge my territory. Let your hand be upon me. Keep me from harm so I will be free from pain. Jabez is asking for increase in his life. And it was a prayer that God answered. God wants to bring increase to your life in some very specific ways. I want to review very quickly for you what we talked about last weekend. If you missed the message, I would really encourage you to go back online, church-redeemer.org, and take a look at our archives. It's all available for you for download for free. Uh, You can look at last week's message. But I talked about praying these prayers. Lord, I'm asking you to increase my wisdom. We talked about the importance of praying the increase our wisdom prayer. Then we talked about love. Lord, increase my love, the value, the importance of always increasing, enlarging in love, that God would enlarge the love in our lives, the love of God. And then last weekend, we talked about the increase of faith, how our faith needs to grow, how our faith needs to get bigger, how our faith needs to continually enlarge and be stretched. And then we talked about the prayer of God, increase your favor in my life, because we need the favor of God. We need God to open doors that no man can shut and shut doors that no man can open. We need the favor of God upon our lives. Now, today, I'm going to talk about four more increase us prayers. So grab your notes. They're right there on the, on the website or your application for you. Follow along with me as we take a look at these four things that are so vital regarding prayer. Pray these four things in your life. Here's the first one for today. Lord, I'm asking you to increase your grace in my life. The word grace is a very important word. It's found all through the pages of Scripture. It certainly is highlighted in the New Testament of the coming of Jesus Christ and the, the, the bringing in of what we might call the age of grace through Jesus Christ, where now the law has been fulfilled in Christ and our faith in Christ allows his righteousness to be imparted to us by faith and by his grace. But I want to answer the question for us today, first and foremost, what is the grace of God? If we're to pray and increase for grace, what is grace? Well, grace is the unmerited gifts of God in your life. 
things that you don't earn, things that you don't deserve, but nevertheless, it's the blessing of God in your life. And grace is always a demonstration of God's benevolence, of God's love, and God's goodness, because God is benevolent. He's generous, that is. He's loving. He's good. Because he is all those things, he actually gives gifts to us that we don't deserve, blessings that we've never earned. That is grace. Grace is what saves us. When you and I put our faith in Jesus Christ, the grace of God saves us. Jesus imparts to us forgiveness and his righteousness so that our names can be written in the book of life. We're saved by grace, accepted by God through grace. We're empowered to obey and serve God by grace. We are sustained in trying times by grace. It is something that God wants to multiply or increase in you and through you. It is God's plan that you might increase in or grow in grace. I looked up the word gracious in the Merriam-Webster dictionary, and here's the definition or some phrases that go along with being a gracious person. Marked by kindness and courtesy, generosity of spirit, merciful and compassionate, pleasing and acceptable. So when we are increasing in grace, we're becoming more kind and courteous. We're becoming more generous in our spirit. We're becoming more merciful and compassionate. We're becoming more pleasing and acceptable. And so when we talk about increasing in the grace of God, it means that actually God's grace, our awareness of what God's grace means to us, what it's done for us, the changes it's made for us, the forgiveness it's brought to us, the salvation we've experienced because of it, the life that's been given through grace, the sustaining power of grace in our lives. It's a gift that has been given and growing in grace means that I'm understanding that more. I'm grasping it more, but it doesn't just stop with my understanding. It means that I'm also beginning to demonstrate it to the people around me that and the way that I relate to people, I'm increasing in grace. Can I ask you this important question to think about in your life as we're going through today's message? Are you increasing in grace? Are you growing in grace? Are you more or less gracious today than you were in the past? Is there an increase of grace, understanding of grace and demonstration of grace in your life? Would you join me in praying the prayer, Lord, increase your grace in my life? Number two, the increase us prayer is simply related to increasing the fruit, God's fruit in our lives, that God wants the fruitfulness of your life to increase. Now, fruit is the natural result of health. Healthy fruit, come, healthy trees, I'll say it this way, or healthy plants produce healthy or good fruit. And we're called, you and I are called to be fruit bearers. Very clearly, we're called to be fruit bearers in the kingdom of God. We're to be healthy, growing in our relationship with Jesus in such a way that fruit is coming from our lives. Something is something positive is being produced through our lives. Now, Jesus made this extremely clear in John chapter 15, these first five verses. Let me read this for you from the New International Version. Jesus says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be, it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. 
remain in me, or an old translation says, abide in me, remain in me, as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit. What's the theme of this? You see it coming up time and time again, the idea of fruit. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, notice in these five verses, over and over again, the theme is fruit. Jesus says, I'm the vine, you're the branches, and I want you to bear fruit. I want you to remain in me so that fruit will be a part of your life. Fruit, more fruit, and much fruit. You'll see that progression in this particular passage. Again, bear fruit, bear more fruit, bear much fruit. Now, when we talk about bearing fruit, I believe there are two kinds of fruit that Jesus wants us to bear in our lives. I think number one is the fruit of our witness, the fruit of our service, that somehow there needs to be through our lives that we're making a difference. And I'll talk more about that at the end of today's message, as well as in another message as a part of this series. But God wants you to be fruitful in your spiritual service to him. And then God also wants you to bear fruit when it comes to the Holy Spirit's work in and through your life. Now, there's a fruit, if you will, of the Spirit that needs to be produced and evident in you and me. Now, when we talk about ministry fruit, we see this emphasis in Colossians chapter 1, verse number 10. Paul writes and says, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit. Notice this. He's talking about spiritual fruit, making a difference with your life, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. And so we have to accept the fact that one day we'll stand before God and we'll give an account as to what kind of fruit we produce with our lives. What, what did we really do with our lives that made a difference? Not what did we do for ourselves or how do we please ourselves or what fun do we have in life? No, at the end of the day, when we stand before God, nothing wrong with anything I just described, but at the end of the day, when we stand before God, he's going to talk to us or evaluate us on the basis of the kind of fruit we produce with our service. Did we leave anything behind that advanced God's kingdom? And then there's the personal fruit of the Holy Spirit. It's that second dimension of fruit that needs to be born in our lives in increasing measure. Galatians 5, 22 and 23, but the fruit of the spirit is, here are the things that need to be coming out of our lives, is love, joy, peace, forbearance, another translation says patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control against such things there is no law. And so you and I, yes, we need to be praying for increase. What kind of increase are we praying for in our lives? We're praying for the increase of fruit in our lives. God, I'm asking you to make me more fruitful in the work that I do and make me more fruitful when it comes to bearing the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Lord, increase my fruit. It's a very valuable, important prayer to pray, a part of the increase us prayer. And then number three, the third thing that I want to talk about this weekend is you and I need to ask God to actually increase our resources. In fact, in the Lord's Prayer, there's a section that says, give us our daily bread. Give us today our daily bread. Give us the resources that we need. Now, resources are the substance of your life. It's what you have available to you to use for your needs and to use to bless other people. When it comes to resources in your life, every person has three resources. You have your time. That's a resource. 
You have your treasure. That is whatever material goods you may have. That's a resource. And you have your talents. Those are resources. Everybody has some measure of all three of those things. It may be very small. It could be very large, but everyone has something. And I'll show you that here in just a moment. You have a, you have time, you have some aspect of material resources, and you have, you have talents, time, treasure, and talents. Now, Part of praying the increase us prayer is to pray that God would help me to increase the valuable use of my time, increase the material resources appropriately in my life so that as I get to in a moment, it's used for the right things. And then Lord, increase or let there be a multiplication of my talents. Let me use my talents in a way that, is, that, are, po- that are in ways that are positive and impactful. Resources are the things you have available to you, but it's not just enough to have something available to you. It's what you do with what is available to you. Lord, increase my use of time, material, and resources of my talents in my life. Now, here's the thing that a lot of people get caught up on. They say, well, I, you know what? I don't have much time or I don't have much money or material resources. I don't have many talents. And so God can't really use me. It's not true at all. It doesn't take very much for God to use you in terms of either your time, your treasure, or your talents. What is key is for you to make those three things available to him. It's not what you have, it's what you do with what you have. There was a little boy that was asked one day to help Jesus feed over 5,000 people. All he had was five loaves and two fish. But Jesus took the little bit the little boy was willing to give and multiplied it so that over 5,000, actually probably closer to 15 or 20,000, if you include the women and the children and the crowd that day, they were blessed because a little boy took his little bit of lunch, five loaves and two fish, and made it available to Jesus. His, his resources were multiplied. His resources were increased. And God wants to increase the resources of your life. In Luke chapter 21, the first four verses, there's another lady who didn't have a lot, but she did the right thing with the little that she had. Here's Jesus in the temple one day, and the Bible says, as Jesus looked up, he saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. So he's actually watching people as they're putting their money in the offering plate, we might say. So Jesus is watching this procession of people giving their gifts to God. He also saw a poor widow. Notice what kind of widow? A poor widow put in two very small copper coins. You might have heard it referred to as the widow's mite. Small amount of money. Truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. Jesus said, time out. Let's stop the offering procession for a moment. I want you to take notice of something. All these other people are giving out of some surplus. It doesn't really cost them anything at all. But this little lady, she's taken from the essence of what is the little bit that she has, and she's given it, if you will, all to God. And so she's noted in the Bible, not because of the bigness of her gift, but the heart that was behind her gift. You know, there are a lot of people who have very little, it seems, to give, but they end up making a huge impact on the kingdom of God. And on the other hand, there are a lot of people who would have a lot of resources available and they make very little impact upon the kingdom of God. Which would you like to be? My goal is for whether you have a little or a lot that all of us would make a big impact upon God's kingdom. 
So whether you have a little or a lot, it's what you do with your little or a lot that makes the difference. Your capacity to bless is determined by the increase of God's working in your life as you give to him. Second Corinthians nine verses eight through 11. And God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. As the scripture says, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and notice this phrase and increase your resources. There's the phrase, increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when, and when we take your gifts to those in need, they will thank God. And that actually leads to the fourth and final thing that I want to share with you this weekend. We're talking about praying the increase us prayer. And here's this fourth prayer as we wrap up this particular part of the series. Lord, increase my kingdom impact. And Lord, increase my kingdom influence. Lord, increase my kingdom impact. And Lord, increase my kingdom influence. Let me just go back to to a couple of important questions here. They've sort of been implied in in, in what I've shared with you so far today. But I want to really hone in on these two particular questions. What kingdom are you building? Think about it for a moment. What kingdom are you building in your life? Whose kingdom are you building? What kingdom are you building? And the second question is, what kingdom really matters? What kingdom really does matter? And if we boil it all down, there really is only one kingdom that really does matter. Only one kingdom that is really worth building. There's really only one kingdom that matters, one kingdom that will last. And far too many people are spending all their efforts on building something that will not last. Look at what Paul says about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 10 through 15. 1 Corinthians 3, 10 through 15. God has given me unique gifts as a skilled master builder who lays a good foundation. Afterward, another craftsman comes and builds on it. So builders beware. Let every builder do his work carefully according to God's, God's standards. For no one is empowered to lay an alternative foundation other than the good foundation that exists, which is Jesus Christ. The quality of materials used for, by, by anyone building on this foundation will soon be made apparent whether it has been built with, built with gold, silver, or cost, and costly stones, or wood, hay, and straw. Their work will soon become evident, for the day will make it clear, because it will be revealed by blazing fire. And the fire will test and prove the workmanship of each builder. If his work stands the test of fire, he will be rewarded. If his work is consumed by the fire, he will suffer great loss, yet he himself will barely escape destruction like one being rescued out of a burning house. Now, there's a lot of things that we could talk about in this particular passage, but let me tell you kind of what Paul is referring to. He's saying everybody's building something. Everybody's building some kind of kingdom. Everybody's building some kind of life, and you're building a life right now, and you're building it with material, some source, something that you're giving your life to. And the Bible says that there are two categories of material. There's the wood and the hay and the straw. 
And then there's the gold and silver and precious stones that you're using to build your life, either wood, hay and stubble or straw or gold, silver and precious stones. He was talking about the fact that a lot of people spend their whole energy building their lives out of something that will not last. And the scripture is talking here about the day we stand before God and and then our, our works will be tested by fire. I'm not sure the last time you checked it out, but, but wood and hay and straw burn up fairly quickly in a fire, but the gold and the silver and the precious stones do not. And so he's saying, when you come to the end of your life, what do you want to bring before God? Do you want to bring a life that's been built with wood and hay and straw? Or do you want to build a life that's been built, that's been built on gold and silver and precious stones? Which kingdom have you built with your life? Perhaps, as you have been listening to today's broadcast, you felt a stirring in your heart, something that reminded you that you need to get something right in your life with God. The first way to start in that journey with God is to open your heart to Jesus Christ, to make Him the Lord of your life, to turn over all your life to Him. And that begins with a very simple prayer. I want to lead you in that prayer right now, and it's a prayer that you can pray right where you are. Say these words, Jesus I invite you into my life today to forgive me of all my sins. I need you. I want you. I want you to take charge of my life. Be my Lord and Savior in Jesus' name. Now, if you just prayed that prayer with me, I want to encourage you with a promise from God's Word that says, when we call on God's name, when we call on the name of His Son, Jesus, there is salvation that is brought to our lives. He changes us from the inside out. And the Bible says that if any person is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. And that's what's happened to you today as you've opened your heart to Christ. Let me encourage you. You need to take the next step. The next step is to make sure that you get into a good Bible-believing church where you're studying God's Word. And make sure you get a copy of God's Word and begin to read it. Spend some time each day in prayer. You've been listening to the teaching ministry of Practical Living with Dale O'Shield, Senior Pastor of Church of the Redeemer in Maryland. If you would like more information, please visit our website at church-redeemer.org. May God bless you and make you a blessing.